We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Two pitch, ball line to Yount, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air, Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history! Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center! He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well. And it's gone. Robin. A two-run home run. The Brewers take the lead. Morgan, a smash up the middle. Base hit the center. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. Uh, me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast. Adam, I gotta say, I gotta say, it was a great week to be a Milwaukee Brewers fan. They just took three out of four games against the Miami Marlins. Uh, it's not a mop, Adam, but we will take it, and we will take it, and we will deposit it in the bank as more wins banked. The Colorado Rockies did us a solid. Nicest team in baseball, as I've been saying on Twitter uh, for the last day. Took two out of three games from the Chicago Cubs. The Brewers now hold four-and-a-half game lead over those Cubs. Five in the loss column. Seven-game lead over the Cincinnati Reds, who I think split four games with the Tigers. Does that sound right? They either split four games with the Tigers or they lost two out of three, I think. They at least lost one of them. They lost today. I, um, as you hear, oh, this. If, if they lost today, I, th- I think then they lost the series. Wow. So we've got that going for us. Good times all around. But before we get into all the fun, Adam, welcome. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, the Cubs, five games back in the last column. The Cubs have 15 games off to play. Also, I was, was wrong. The, the Reds won two out of three. Apologies. To the Cincinnati Reds. Go ahead. Uh, well, I was also wrong. Um, 
five games back in the last column of 15 games to play. I don't want to make proclamations that will get people antsy or that I may regret. But we're getting close. We're getting we're getting quite close here, Andrew. Um, that is quite a gap for the Cubs to make up. And it seems like what they had going for them when they were on a real tear has now disappeared. Of course, they do have what could for them be the magic bullet still of three against the Brewers if they were to come to Ampham and sweep the Brewers to close out the season. Well, that could certainly eat in some of that in a hurry. Um, But the Brewers have three against the Nationals, seven against the Cardinals before then. Three against the Marlins as well, who solid team, but I think we can now say not a team that will have the Brewers quaking in their boots. Um, you would expect the Brewers to come in with a winning record quite comfortably the rest of the way. And if they do that, that is a really, really tough gap for the Cubs to bridge. So with every win, we're getting very, very close. If they could do what we always ask them to do, and they rarely actually do, which is, you know, see a team like the Nationals come to Amfam and sweep them. It'll almost be time. We're getting there. We are getting there. And the Cubs are going to be facing what I presume to be an angry Snakes team. Let's check in on Snake Timber. They won the opening game of their series against the New York Mets, have dropped the middle two, and find themselves down 2 nothing in the series finale. So three at home against the Cubs that we would like to see lose for the Diamondbacks. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, the Brewers snakes, and... Snakes weren't mentioning only uh, half a game up on the final wildcard spot, too. So, and I mean, the Cubs only two games up on that at this point as well. So, like, not only could the Diamondbacks go and secure their own uh, playoff fate or come pretty close to it with a big series against the Cubs, but they could really, like, throw the Cubs into the kind of spot that they were not anticipating, which is fighting for their wildcard life rather than challenging for the division. So that is a colossal, colossal, really interesting series. Yeah, the NL wildcard race is looking like something that's going to come down to the wire and a lot of uh, talented teams but flawed teams competing for those last few spots. I mean, the Marlins, a team we just saw up close and personal for four games, they've got uh, a series against the Braves this weekend who they'll hope are nursing a two-day hangover as they celebrated clinching the National League East. So, yeah, a lot still to play for. And the key thing for this podcast, you and I and listeners and Brewers fans anywhere, is the Brewers have done well enough through 146 games, is it, uh, to put themselves in the driver's seat. And like you said, the Nationals come to town next. Uh, and... It's something we've asked a lot of times this year. Stomp on the throat, like sweep the leg, do all of the above, go out and just take control. And I think if they if they sweep the Nats this weekend, like you're saying, we're going to be seeing visions of, of champagne bottles popping in our future. Um, and I would really love for that podcast to happen because I think it would be a good time. Adam, there's uh, things to talk about around the Brewers. I know it's a four-game series, and I know you're not feeling very well, but... Do you want to talk about some some things happening uh, in the Brewers orbit right now? Sure. Let's. I I remembered thinking, oh, we've got our stuff to talk about, and I can't remember any of it. So I look forward to you telling me what we've got to talk about, and then getting back into it. 
All right. The first thing that I wanted to talk about um, is is a is prospect news. Uh, Brock Wilkins, mm. first round draft pick uh, of the Brewers out of Wake Forest this year, was in Milwaukee on Monday. Got to take batting practice. Loved being there with guys like Christian Yelich, Willie Adamas, uh, uh, being on the field. Uh, and he has since uh, gone to finish out his season with the Biloxi uh, Shuckers in his second at bat in Double A, I think. Uh, after recording a ground out in or line out in the first in his first at bat, I can't remember which of a very high exit velocity in the hundreds. And the second at bat, he sends a grand slam into the stands uh, for his first double A homer, his first double A hit. And then yesterday, two days ago, as you're listening to this, he'll have a game tonight as well, I assume. Hit another homer, this one to the opposite field. So Brock Wilkin, uh, two games in double A Biloxi to this point. Uh, a guy who we've projected as someone that uh, could be a power-hitting third baseman. The power wasn't necessarily the defining characteristic of his performance with the Denver Adlers. A lot of it was the patience and just his ability to hit. Uh, and now in Biloxi, first two games, two homers. Um, some of the reports about his time in uh, Appleton suggested that one of the things, that, and his quote suggests this too, on his mind was, proving that he can be a above average defensive third baseman. So it sounds like that's part of his mindset and part of the development plan for him. And it seems like it's going well. And now to see him, you know, less than what is it? Six months since the time he's been drafted in double a and first two games hitting for power, just a fun thing to see as we talk about one of the, before this draft, one of the weaker positions of depth in the Brewers farm system. Absolutely. And I mean, as we get into later, we're seeing some glimpses of what power a third base can look for for the Brewers and finding a more sustainable, reliable way to have that going forward has got to be pretty high on the list of priorities. It'd be really nice if he could just keep this going and go on an absolute tear in Biloxi to finish the season and then maybe be in a place where he can climb those ranks very fast next year and then before we know it, he's a real proposition uh, for the Brewers. It's nice to see one of your draft picks make an impact like this. Um, so very, very exciting. And I mean, the Shookers are in the middle of a crucial stretch to try and secure a postseason spot. Um, the roster is insanely stacked at the moment. Like, uh, basically everything good you could have to say about the Brewers farm system about 90% of it right now is in Biloxi trying to help the Shookers get to the playoffs. So let's hope they do that because that could be really exciting too to see a lot of those guys uh, play some postseason baseball in that setting. Yeah, I was listening to, I think it was one of the Athletic Baseball Show podcasts, um, and the guys were talking about developmental things that, it might have been Cespedes Family Barbecue. I can't remember. I was listening to some podcast and they were talking about how it may not seem like it's that meaningful, but organizations like when they can get some of their top prospects playing in these playoff-like environments, even though the ultimate goal of a minor league baseball season is to develop players. When you get to the end of it and you have a chance to win something, that just uh, kind of like flips the switch in the competitor athlete brain that's like mm -hmm. oh yeah let's go do that and that's got to be at least a, a net positive for your development even if it's not something you can like put on paper and say this led to this and that sort of thing there's no way it's going to prepare you for 
the playoffs in Major League Baseball. But you can't right. tell me that if you've been through that in the minors, that you're not better prepared. You know, it's it's not the thing that gets you there. You've got to do everything else beyond that. But yeah, what's the point of playing the whole season? You get to this point and then it's like, no, oh, we can make the playoffs. Developmentally, there's no reason to be like, yeah, you know, we'd really rather not. You know, it's, there's nothing good being established in terms of habits, in terms of mentality. Let guys go out there. Like, it's the level they've played until now in the majority of their cases. So they will feel the pressure. They will feel the excitement of this is playoff baseball. So, I mean, just playoff baseball to come at other spots throughout the organization, but it would be exciting, I think, particularly if the Shookers could make it, given just the sheer embarrassment of riches um, currently with the Shookers from the Brew system. I'm trying to find uh, the box score uh, from the final game of the championship series from spring 2011, uh, the Burlington Royals against the Elizabethan Twins. Uh, I can't find it. But when I was interning for that team, they uh, any of the interns that stuck around and still worked, the front office was like, all right, we'll take you to this like final game of the series, game three or whatever it was, like as a treat or whatever. So we got there, played 18 holes of golf, uh, drank a case of beer, and then you know showed up as front office members to this ballpark in Elizabethton, Tennessee, I think it is. Might be Virginia or West Virginia. I don't remember. In the Appalachians. Uh, and all the like players that we had watched like not really care about the results of the games uh, in the entire season were suddenly locked in. And we lost on a walk-off Grand Slam. And I've never Oof. seen a more de- dejected group of men in my entire life. Um, another thing I wanted to call out is a guy that... Um, I talked about um, a few weeks ago having seen and not performing well um, is Tyler Black. He is uh, found a hot streak. Obviously, we know that when I go to see Brewers pro- prospects in person, uh, they're immediately jinxed um, and they don't play well. It happened with Jackson Chorio, so that means it can happen to anyone. But yeah, Tyler Black's been on a bit of a tear recently, uh, hitting very well, and uh, that's nice to see as well. Um I guess other news around the Brewers is if you watch this series, you know that Kristen Yelich has missed the last six games, but Craig Council has said that he is expected to be back in the lineup uh, tomorrow against uh, the Washington Nationals. So Yelich obviously had been scuffling of late. We wondered if he needed a break, if there was an injury issue, the back issues flared up, and now it seems like he's back. So it'll be nice to see if he can kind of find some sort of return to form during this playoff push. Sure will. Um, it seems like they've been extra cautious, or at least I hope it is, rather than him needing all this time off. And the Brewers have played pretty well, so he's been able to take advantage of that and rest up and get to a place, hopefully, where he's back to his best and ready for the final run of the regular season and into the playoffs, because there's a lot of good going for this team right now. And if you get the best version of Christian Yelich, they could make some noise. Um, but I do think you probably need that. Yep. Uh, two more bits of news before we get to this series. Another guy uh, who played the first game of the series and then started the second game of the series is Mark Canna. Uh, exited that game with what was called left wrist soreness, a thing that he says he's had to deal with in the past. They wondered if he would need a cortisone shot. He did not end up needing that, and it seems like just a day-to-day thing. Um, so good news there. Uh, go ahead. I- 
I well, I just thought he did get a cortisone shot. That's what I thought I had seen. Um, oh, I thought I let me let me check on the tweet. Maybe I misread that, which is entirely possible. Um, it's okay. While I look for that uh, confirmation to see which one of us is right there, I will talk about on the Brewers website. There released a video today of Mark Canna and his family uh, eating around uh, Milwaukee. So that was nice to see. Um, it seemed like uh, there was some good stuff. Looked like a bunch of food trucks. Uh, one of the the people that was working at the food truck got him to sign a piece of paper. She said she had seen him a few weeks ago and that uh, she had heard that he was a foodie. So that, that was kind of fun. Th- that is, no, he I got, a, cord- he got he a cortisone did. shot. Yeah, he did. Um, okay, no, no structural damage though. No, and he kind of just expected to get the cortisone shot, and you'd be fine with that. So let's let's see how that goes. Um, I, I think what was said by McAlvey was that he's likely to pick up a bat again on Friday. So maybe we see him at some point in the series against the Nationals if all feels good then. Um, but I think to... another another situation like with Yelich where you, if you can afford to give him the weekend off against the bad team, maybe you'd do it. So hopefully they can do that, but would like to see him back for sure. Well, and maybe Yelich's return helps you yeah. to be able to afford that. Joey Weimer is really struggling right now and having to play. Like, it's not going to cost you. Um, you've got enough good stuff going on. His defense is good. Like, it's it's fine. But in terms of if you want to be firing on all cylinders, Weimer is struggling at the moment. Like he has for really a lot of the season. Um, and I just think Yelich back into the outfield to be able to kind of reconfigure things and have Yelly, Freelich, and Tyrone Taylor. That probably buys Marcana some time, particularly with, you know, Santana got a day off today. Rowdy Tellez played, didn't play particularly well, though he did have a sack fly. Um, but they're your options if you want to buy Marcana some time, and they're not terrible options. So if Yelly is good to go, I think you can't afford to do it after this series. Yeah, and then one thing I forgot to mention, doesn't relate to this in the immediate aftermath of everything, um, but if uh, Weimer continues to have to play and struggles, or Yelich or Canna eventually in the final few weeks of the season needs a brief IL stint, uh, Garrett Mitchell was set to meet with the doctor either today or Friday. I haven't heard an update on that, and he could begin a rehab assignment with Nashville as soon as this weekend. Uh, who knows what he looks like after all of that time out, but I got to say, if there's any path to seeing Garrett Mitchell wear a Brewers jersey during this stretch run, uh, I would I would like to see that happen, and I think that's just a variable that we've known as, was possible but unlikely most of the season, but I Gotta say, it would be pretty exciting, even if he's just a late-game defensive replacement or on the base pass. It does feel like we're going to see something there anyway. Another, I'm not advocating for this, but uh, Blake Perkins is on a a rehab assignment too. And if, if there, for some reason Mitchell wasn't able to come back, I wouldn't be surprised if Perkins gets called up for that kind of role. We'd all yep. much rather that was Mitchell, based on his abilities, based on his... Uh, less erratic base running um I, I think too you know mitchell as a pinch runner could have some utility in its own right i know he spoke about wanting to hit and feeling like if he's going to come back he wants to hit he wants to run he wants to do it all um the word was that they felt like he was going to get the all clear and he'd be back to full 
baseball activities from next week. So that's the case. Maybe Garrett Mitchell's in Nashville and we can look forward to seeing him back in Milwaukee before the season ends, which would be exciting, particularly given how it started. Yeah, Kurt Hogue said the expectation right now is for him to stay with Nashville until their season ends on the 24th. So that's 10 days from today. And then, I mean, imagine uh, Garrett Mitchell on third base in a tie game in the ninth. All the Brewers need is a sack fly to clinch the division. We, we'd love to see that. <laughs> um, I mean, and, last... and not, not to get ahead of ourselves like too much, but it is with the way things are shaping up. It's not impossible the Brewers could have the division clinched by around that time. Like that that's into your, your penultimate series. You've got the Cardinals. If the Brewers go out and they put their foot down, they take care of business in a way that we always ask them to. It's in play that you could have a run into the season where you could be working someone like Garrett Mitchell back. If there's an extra motivation to try and do that, well, there you go. That's it. It's to, to add another tool to the mix come playoff time. So who knows, Andrew? Maybe there'll be some free hit opportunities. It doesn't even have to be, here you go, Garrett Mitchell. This is a massive stakes moment immediately. Uh, go deliver a playoff spot for us. Um, that's a Yeah, that's a really good point. Even some lower stakes, uh, getting other gay or other guys um some days off kind of uh playing time for Mitchell wouldn't be nothing in terms of just seeing him get back from injury. The last thing, Adam, I promise, the last thing is the worst kept secret in baseball. David Stern has, oh, has been hired by the Mets as their president of baseball operations. Um yeah. We've Steve Steve Cohen has definitely had uh David Stern's name at the top of a whiteboard in the offices of City Field for the last year plus. And now he's going there. And uh yeah, he built this current era of Brewers baseball. Now it's in the hands of Matt Arnold. And I think uh I don't I don't I don't think uh Brewers fans should feel any type of way. It's just kind of a natural progression of a guy's career. And there we go. I just don't know what we had to do the whole dance. Like yeah. Stearns is a Mets fan. We've everyone has known this. Just why have we? Why have we all had to go through this? Why has it been the looming figure? I don't know. I don't know on what side that really kind of falls on responsibility wise. We talked about at the time when Stern stepped down and Matt Arnold stepped up. Just how weird everything Stern said and went about that. Which, unless he comes out with like a really compelling travel diary for the past year, is just going to be like completely fake like i mean just nothingness he really he came out with some colossal brain stuff in that press conference to just do what we all thought he would do which is go and take this job with the mets so i don't know what the whole charade was about like there was surely a simpler way to do this um i'm just glad that things have been going well with matt arnold so we don't have to be annoyed about it so we don't have to think about that much because otherwise, I think that element of it would feel really unsavory. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, I love Matt Arnold. You know that. Uh, listeners, I think, know that. Uh, I passed by him on the uh, concourse of American Family Field in uh, June, I believe it was, and uh, seems like... Uh, uh, you know, a, a man that means business, and uh, I appreciate about that him. I appreciate that about him. Uh, I listened to our episodes from the end of the season last year when this happened, just to wow. re- re- refresh my memory about like how you we do were that feeling. often. Uh, uh, only when I'm sad and I want to hear the voices of my friends. Um, is is what I do that, but this was for research purposes, and uh, yeah, we were. We were pretty pissed off about some of his end of season comments. Uh, I think you and I predicted um, he would be a Met by like the middle of December, by January at least. And Jordan predicted this year long break. Uh, so I think Jordan Tresky gets the the uh, the David Stern's pool money that doesn't exist. I don't know if that's something Jordan should be proud of for for knowing the mind of David Stearns, but here we are. Congratulations, I shouldn't to Jordan. Have, I shouldn't have given him a shout out because I'm we're trying to report record this podcast and he's sending me Carolina Panthers stray bullets right into my body wow. uh, about their performance against the Falcons. So, you know, I, I rescind my nice comment about you, Jordan. Uh just kidding. Uh this is a pro Jordan Tresky podcast. I think that's it. Do you want to talk about this series that was pretty fucking awesome? Yeah, let's let's do that. Uh, I mean, very few games this season have been more awesome than the first game of the series. Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's what uh just like gave me a jolt of energy as I pulled up the box score. I saw the twelve nothing, and I saw that only one pitcher pitched in this baseball game. So that reminded me, uh, what happened in game one of the series? And what happened in game one of this series is that Brandon Woodruff went out there and shoved. Um, complete game shutout. Nine innings pitch, six hits, no runs, 
one walk, seven strikeouts. It was clear he had a game plan early that he was going to attack in the zone. He threw a lot of first pitch strikes, and it seemed like his mindset and his game plan was, my stuff is good enough to beat your bats, and you might rack up singles here or there. I mean, he started off with some traffic pretty early in the first and in the second, and then he he locked down and got the job done, especially uh, in an important moment in the season where we're in a stretch of 17 games in 17 days. Uh, had a 13-inning game on Sunday. Brandon Woodruff comes out and throws a 106-pitch shutout. Uh, we'll talk more on that in a minute, and I'll let you talk about that because I know um, – Brandon Woodruff is in the conversation for your favorite brewer mm-hmm. uh, and and mine as well, honestly. So I, we share that. But game started off well in the first for the Brewers. A Mark Canna homer made it 1-0. Uh, in the third, Willie Adamas doubles to score William Contreras and Carlos Santana. Or excuse me, William Contreras sends Carlos Santana to third to make it 2-0. Then uh, Josh Donaldson, who we didn't mention in news and notes, but uh, finally made his Brewers debut uh, on this Monday in Milwaukee and uh, in his um, at bat in the third singles to center field to score Carlos Santana makes it three nothing Tyrone Taylor follows with a single to make it four to nothing through three innings four nothing Brandon Woodruff has pitched around some traffic and seems to be locking in any thoughts about where this game was at in the third inning or should I keep going so we can just get to the Woodruff. Oh, keep going. I mean, Woody's Woody's what matters. I know there was 12 runs here, which is great, but Woody is what <laughs> yeah. matters in this game. Yeah, I am being uh, held hostage by the format I created, but here we go. <laughs> uh, Tyrone Taylor, double in the fifth, scores Willie Adamas to make it 5 nothing. South Freelick single, uh, scores Tyrone Taylor to make it 6 nothing. Uh, in the sixth, Willie Adamas triple scores Mark Canna, William Contreras, and Carlos Santana. It's 9 nothing. Uh, when that ball was... Uh, down in the left field corner, corner rattling around. I think I just sent you ten haws in a row in a in a DM. If if that sounds right, Andre Monasterio singles in to make it ten nothing. Uh, Joey Weimer in the sixth as well reaches on a throwing error by Joey Wendell. Uh, Joey on Joey crime right there, Adam. Um, that scored Josh Donaldson made eleven nothing, and then Joey Weimer with a double in the eighth made it twelve to nothing. So, Brandon Woodruff. Through eight innings, was not going to let Craig Council take him out of this game. Council gave him a pitch limit of 105 pitches. He got it to 106 and got through the complete game. Uh, Willie Adamas douses him with the Gatorade cooler, ruins his new shoes. Uh, but it was all it was all about Woody and the offense as well. Jesus Lazardo on the mound for the uh, Marlins, and he just wore it. Five innings, ten hits, six runs. They were all earned. Four walks and five strikeouts. The homer to Canna. Uh, the guy that relieved him, um, I believe his name was Daniel Castano. He has since, I think, been released or designated for assignment or sit down, whatever. He was whatever immediately, it is, he's... immediately DFA'd. Yeah, he got um, he got the Matt Bush uh, get out of town assignment, uh, and then position player catcher. Jacob Stallings, son of problematic basketball coach Kevin Stallings, uh, pitched in that uh, uh, bottom of the eighth inning. Didn't know that. Didn't know about that. Yeah, played at uh, the University of North Carolina. So, you know, it makes sense that his dad would be uh, an asshole like that. But uh, Brandon Woodruff, Adam, 
I've talked a lot and I will let you talk because he's your guy. He's our guy. And he was great. I remember either one or both of us predicting before the season that uh, Brandon Woodruff would win a Cy Young Award this year. I re-listened to that recently as well. We both did. We were in the hotel room together. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. That, so we we yeah. just seen him shove in Wrigley, Wrigley right? Yeah. That's, that's Two days we before. Saw. We had just gone um, to the art museum. It was lovely. In, in pretty brutal conditions at Wrigley, too. And that was kind of him setting the stage for season. And he started very well, and then injury struck. My God, how well has he has he pitched since coming back? And particularly, it wasn't all necessarily looking like smooth sailing um, in his rehab assignments. It's been phenomenal. And to just come and do this at this point in the season, like we've talked about a lot, anytime any pitcher is giving them seven or eight, it's a big deal. Um, this might be the best timed complete game shutout the Brewers could have had this season. The bullpen really needed days off. We know we're in this stretch where days off are hard to come by. Uh, Four-game series generally. And to just go out and take care of business like that. And to just look so, so in control that it's like... God, we could see, you know, we could see seven from Woody again this next hour. We might see an eight. Who knows what Woody's got up his sleeve for the remainder of the season and hopefully the playoffs too. Uh, he just looks absolutely electric. He's he's the guy. I mean, I don't want to get into the kind of conversations that we'll have in the offseason again where we talk about extensions and the lack of extensions and what the hell the Brewers are doing or like what does it take for someone who isn't the early in their career flyer to get a, an extension with the Brewers. Maybe, maybe that's an entirely different thing now. You know, if, if Mark opens his checkbook, maybe Matt Arnold views that in a different way to Stearns, who certainly had a type for his starting pitcher extensions. I wonder how they feel about the Aaron Ashby extension right now. It's not the priciest, but uh, that's probably something from news and notes that we didn't mention is Ashby will not be pitching with the Brewers again this season. Uh, he's going to continue on assignments um, down in the system. So yeah, he's uh he's joining box office Biloxi uh, for this veteran. Which I don't know right now at how he's pitching, if that's helpful for them to try and make the playoffs, but I hope I'm proven wrong on that. And that's, that's what kind of gets his juices flowing and brings out the best. But yeah, for Woody, just really looking control. Um, something that I've liked a lot from since coming back is he has had occasional problem innings, but he just gets it back. He'll lean into it. He'll get some quick innings. Like he's just completely unflappable. He is the ultimate Southern man. Sorry, Andrew, that title certainly belongs to Brandon Woodruff over you. Um, and he's, he's got just incredible energy. Was it the next game? I didn't see it live, but I, I know what he gave, uh, an in-game interview that you were getting a lot of enjoyment out of. I did. Uh, that was the next game. And we can talk about it now. We don't have to talk about it um, uh, when we're recapping that. But... Was he letting any dog gunnets out or whatever whatever weird uh, no, inverted uh, swear thing that he does? N- n- no, but I think they were interviewing him in the second inning. And Edward Cabrera, the Marlins pitcher, was really struggling with his control at that point. And just kept walking, guys. The Brewers were rallying, and he tr- they tried to end the interview. Uh, you know, as the broadcasters would do, they, they want to be like, "All right, we don't want to bother this guy, and you know, take up any more of his time." This was what was allotted. 
And he's like, no, man, we're rallying. Like, let me keep talking. And they continued the interview until the end of the inning. They only got the one run on the Monasterio walk. But love uh, Woody's mindset. Always team first. Always. He's just, I really, I find him to be a delight. Um, I love the way he carries himself. I love the way he pitches. So just a lot of fun to see this happen. Uh, first complete game shutout that I've watched in my time watching the Brewers and couldn't, couldn't be since, better times. Uh, was it Adrian Hauser in 2021? Is that what I saw? I actually, I don't know. I didn't see that, but that would, that would not have been who I would have expected to be the last one. So that's a fun fact. If it is true. I'm going to, I'm going to verify this. Um, But yeah, I think, I think we have all um, gotten the sense that Corbin Burns is going to be traded this offseason, and I think that really needs to coincide with a Brandon Woodruff extension. I don't know how realistic that is for me as a fan, but um, and obviously injury issues notwithstanding, he seems like a guy who is ready to peak as a pitcher. And maybe he can be one of those guys that ages gracefully as well, especially in his early 30s, and is a guy who, at this point in in his career, is a guy that is just going to be that give-me-the-ball type and third time through the order, fourth time through the order, doesn't matter. I'm the dude. I'm leading this rotation. I mean, that's maybe wishful thinking that the extension could get done and that he will age that way considering pitchers break, but... I don't know, just just a vibe. <laughs> if it if it's not done, what are they doing? Like, what are we doing here? And I I do think if the like we've all kind of been resigned to the Corbin's gone. If the outcome of all of this is that you had Corbin Burns, you have Brandon Woodruff, and then both of those guys are just going to walk away, you can't afford either of them, or you're choosing not to. I I think that's a real just what are we doing here? And I I really think that would need to be pressed quite hard and would have to be addressed. You can't just like this is this is a franchise, this is a city that really loves this team and um, that shows up and shows out in ways that plenty of other franchises don't, that has won a lot of baseball games. And let's be honest about it too, Craig Council gets his fair share of credit for that. The Craig Council era could be coming to a close. And if how you're gonna see that come to a close is be like, yeah, Craig's leaving. And uh, we're not going to pay Corbin, and we're not going to pay Woody, and we're not going to play Willie. What is this? What are they doing? I mean, this should be the opportunity to look at the strength of what's coming with your prospects and say, okay, these are our years to contend. (laughs) Brewers fans would love to see Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff around heading up their rotation for years to come. But, like, Woody, Woody can be... You know, your number one guy. He's more than good enough for that. I think he's earned that shot. And I think if if you don't extend one of those two guys even, I I really I don't know what we're doing. I I don't know what message you can send out, what kind of false platitudes you can cook up that have any chance of locating the fan base. Because it's just it would be bullshit. Uh plain and simple. So that was part of my reaction as you watch this and you're like, yeah, extend the guy. Extend the guy. I think there's probably like, is his deal going to be a pricey one? Yeah, because he's one of the best starting pitchers in all of baseball. But I think given what his ability is, I think there's probably a pretty good deal to be done with Woody, given on 
it seems like the kind of guy he is, how he probably feels about Milwaukee, and how he'd feel about the chance of, okay, not only are you sticking around, but you are going to be the guy. You are going to be the face of, you know, pitching with this franchise. So if they don't, if they don't get that done or they don't start to make meaningful efforts soon, I really don't know what the Brewers are doing generally, which is not, I don't really want to bring this into the joyous uh, discussion of him pitching a complete game shutout, but it is a reminder of like, this guy is great. You've got really special, like generational type pitchers, the kind that it could be a long time before you see one, let alone have multiple of these caliber of starting pitchers on your roster again. Gotta, gotta at least find a way to keep one of them or sell the team because it's not serious otherwise. I had optimism around the extension for Woodruff in particular uh, before his injury, and that optimism has been rejuvenated by him coming back and proving he's fully healthy. So obviously we will get a lot of off-season conversation about this, but for the in-season conversation, it's Brandon Woodruff, is an elite starting pitcher in Major League Baseball. He threw a complete game shutout. We really, 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 really want to watch him throw in a playoff game this year because that would be electric. Uh, moving on to and game two just, of the series. Just on nope. that, sorry, but Woody keeps talking up himself how the bigger the game, the more he enjoys it and he feels the better he pitches. And just he loves the stakes of that. And he talked uh, with Sophia in his post-game interview about how you know, he felt nervous out there in the ninth. It was something he'd never done before, but that's the kind of excitement that gets him going. That's the kind of excitement he pitches for. I really, there's there's no one on this roster that I have more confidence in them going and delivering in the playoffs than Brandon Woodruff. Like, lock it in right now. Uh, you know, I'll I'll wear this if that comes back to bite me, but I, I really don't think it will because I, I just think Woody is that guy. And when he talks about loving the pressure he kind of has a track record to back it up. Yeah, it's this is a a good uh, go down on your sword moment. Like if, if I if I lose betting on a guy like Woody, I'm fine losing that way because I want to make the bet on that guy. Uh, next game in the series, honestly, the last three games, Adam, the Brewers fans have, and that includes you, I'm talking, or you and me, I'm talking to myself when I say this. We have just been spoiled with dynamite starting pitching. We have Corbin's eight no-hit innings uh, in New York that obviously ended in a less than stellar way. And then we have Brandon Woodruff complete game shutout. And now we have Freddie Peralta, who had a great outing of his own. And uh, uh, Peralta maybe made it seem like the good times would not roll on the first batter in the game, but he bounced back from that. Um, and turned in a great outing of his own. Luisa Rise leads off the game with a solo homer to right field. Um, that makes it one nothing. Arise, uh, not necessarily known as uh, the the home run hitter slugger. He's the the hit tool guy, but uh, yeah, leads off the game by showcasing a little bit of pop in the bottom of the second. Uh, with the bases loaded, Andre Monasterio draws a walk to score Mark Canna. Canna would then exit this game, like we said, with the, the left wrist soreness. Got that cortisone shot, as Adam mentioned earlier, and will pick up a bat today, Friday, as you listen to this. Uh, Joey Weimer replaced Canna. Uh, in the fourth, Josh Donaldson, new brewer, the bringer of rain, brought some rain down on American Family Field. 
by hitting a solo homer to make it two to one. Uh, the guys come in and through his first four games as a Brewer has been damn good. Uh, I don't know, Adam, this is uh, the smallest sample possible, but w- with this two run lead in the fourth or what two one lead in the fourth, Donaldson's homer drawing some walks, uh, hit a double today. Um, what are your thoughts on the uh, early Josh Donaldson here? I think it's a guy that maybe we, we weren't expecting much from, but based on what we've seen so far, it seems like he's bought in and uh, at least hitting well through four games. I mean, he didn't make a whole lot of noise in Nashville. And honestly, given what Craig had said, even about how they were going to treat his call up, uh, was pretty surprising them when they called him up when they did. He's been great. I mean, I don't know. Is he just someone who, again, maybe in a, you know, certain guys like it the bigger to stage, but it's like Nashville wasn't necessarily doing it for someone like him with his career. And that's, you get back to the big leagues and yeah, right away, it's kind of clicking and he's looked really, really good. Um, If that keeps up, I think it's a potential game changer for the Brewers because as we've been talking about, as we talked about, we, we're mentioning Brock Wilkin and when he was drafted and what the idea with that is. If there's one thing that the Brewers have lacked for quite a while now, and even within their system, they they lacked outside of Wilkin, it's a power hitting third baseman, and it just seems like a kind of an evergreen thing where we come to free agency and we're like, is there a third baseman they can pick up? It comes to the trade deadline, it's like who could they get there to add some pop? So. If Josh Donaldson decides to have two really hot months and hit very well, and maybe some of the concerns that you would have with him being around the place for longer than that just aren't really that much of an issue because it's a short stay and, you know, things are good, you're winning. That could really transform this team because you got a lot of good stuff for other spots. I mean, particularly with how well Santana has hit too at first. Like, you could get of some of what you're you're hoping for what you'd like to see between first and third if Donaldson can deliver like that. Um, And also kind of sneakily something that's happened here. I don't know. We'll have to see it play out more, but he bought he bought Craig Council the option to uh, to give Bryce Terang some time off. And Terang's mm-hmm. hitting has been pretty up and down. Um in a way that at times it looks quite different at the plate, but I think results are not necessarily all that different to what Joey Weimer does in the outfield. The reality has been there haven't been good alternatives for Terang, and his defense has been so stellar that that's kind of being locked in. Uh, he will still get plenty of starts because of that defense and because he can and has come up with hits, but the luxury of being able to move Monasterio to second sometimes and have Donaldson out there or, you know, Donaldson DH, whatever, whatever kind of combination uh you want to go with that is not insignificant and could also just get to a place where the Brewers has some more pop. Because Andrew Monasterio, as we mentioned on the last podcast, since the Josh Donaldson acquisition, has really kind of come alive. And if that can stay being a relevant thing while Donaldson plays well. Brewers infield looks very, very different offensively than what it was just a short while ago. Yeah, something we talk about with Craig Council often is that if you give him options that are solid options, he'll use the depth. And 
if that means Monasterio is getting at bats at second base, especially against left-handers, and you spare Bryce Terang from that and maybe wait until later in the game, make him a defensive replacement in certain matchups, I think that's, a, like you said, a real added value that bringing in Donaldson uh, also adds. So, uh, yeah, that's a great point by you there. Uh, Freddie Peralta in this game, he uh, Two two uh one lead after that Donaldson Homer in the fourth. Peralta goes six and a third innings, two hits, just the one run, no walks, nine strikeouts. So really good performance from Peralta at ninety-five pitches uh in the seventh inning, which he pitched into, and then council elects to go to the bullpen. Uh great outing from Freddie. Uh, that needs to be said. We've been talking about it a lot lately, how good he's been. Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, these last three starts. Eight hits, one earned run allowed, 23 in the third innings pitch. Struck out 23 batters in that stretch while just walking three. So everything we've talked about on this podcast from the day we had to send Blue Wire a snippet of us talking about the Brewers in the 2022 season and what there was to like about this team, number one talking point was the three aces. And this week they showcased exactly uh, what they can do. Um so yeah, Freddie Peralta, his his outing may not have been as uh, flashy as Corbin's and Woodruff's, but great outing nonetheless. Um, he now has 200 strikeouts on the season. So one first of the time he's done talking, it. Yeah, first time he's done it in his career. The thing we've been talking about with Freddie, even in the bad moments, is he's missing a lot of bats. And he did that in this game. Moving on to the uh, seventh inning. The Brewers would add some insurance runs. Uh, William Contreras, um, sack fly, would score Andrew Monasterio. That made it 3-1 to Brewers. And that would um, pretty much be that. Brewers got good relief work from Hobie Milner through one and a third scoreless innings with a strikeout. Habner Uribe uh, recorded an out, walked one, struck out one, eight pitches in his time. And then Devin Williams throws the scoreless ninth to collect a save. One strikeout, 13 pitches, 11 of them for strikes. Brewers win 3-1. Of course, Adam, on the day we have three games to talk about, I just lead us into conversations about all the other things and keep you on a Zoom screen. I'll be quick with game three. Is that all right? Yeah, we have four games to talk about, not three. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, Three wins. Uh, Those are the only games I recognize. Uh, Braxton Garrett on the mound for the Marlins. Trevor McGill serving as the opener for Colin Ray. Uh, for the Brewers, McGill throws a scoreless first, allowed a hit, uh, and strikeout nine pitches, six for strikes, giving way to Colin Ray. Uh, Ray, for his part, was Colin Ray. <laughs> the classic four and two-thirds innings. Pitched four hits, one run, which came in the fifth on a Xavier Edwards single that scored Jesus Sanchez. Uh, they would throw out Edwards, trying to stretch that out into a double. Um, and then, yeah, uh, Andrew Chafin comes on to replace Ray, he would get out of his initial bit of damage and then allow a double to uh, De La Cruz, uh, which... What, why, Andrew? Why is he still here? I mean, that's the answer that to the question that we've all asked, and the answer is we don't know. Uh... What? I, like, what? Uh, I don't understand. Like, this is a game you lose by two runs, and one extra run gets tacked on, essentially, because of the work that he does. Um, 
I mean, this is far from his most disastrous outing, but you're having to take him out after two outs. I just, what a, why? Like, I I get that if you're on the roster as a pitcher at the moment, you're going to be used because that's kind of a, a reality of the schedule crunch. But Craig Council, Matt Arnold, let's sit down, let's get together and let's work out who is the the better option because even if you don't know who they are, they do exist. They do exist because Andrew Chafin is not it. And every time you're putting him out there, What's happening? Runs are going up on the scoreboard for the opposition. Like every time, without fail. So this is the time of year where it's like you don't want to do that anymore. Um, it's not by any means totally on him. This is a game where the offense does not show up. But he pitches once in this four game series, Andrew. And what happens? The Brewers lose. They lose. He should yeah, be Brian on the Dela Cruz double off Chafin. Chafin removed. Garrett Hansen. Doubles off of Bryce Wilson uh, to make it 2 nothing. Wilson goes 2 and 2 thirds, 2 hits. The inherited runner scores, so that goes to Chafin. A walk, 2 strikeouts. And the Brewers offense, 0 for 9 with runners in scoring position. Uh, three, I think they grounded into 3 double plays in this game. Uh, got a lot of traffic on the base pass. 7 hits. Uh, they drew 3 walks, but it was not to be. And like you said, uh, a 1-run Deficit turns into a two-run deficit when <laughs> you're expecting Andrew Chafin to get out of a game without allowing an extra base hit. Can't do it. Survey says no, Adam. Uh, Braxton Garrett, six-inning pitch, four hits, two walks, seven strikeouts. So uh, he kind of flummoxed the Brewers' offense. Uh, Daniel Robertson uh, provides a scoreless inning of relief. He allowed two runners on, um, as did the guy that would relieve him. Uh, another fellow named Andrew, Andrew Nardi, um, two hits against him in the eighth inning, I believe, unable to get a run across. And then uh, the game would be closed out by Tanner Scott. Marlins win 2 nothing. Offense couldn't get clicking. And, uh, yeah, late run added on makes the lead insurmountable. Shall we go to the series finale? Let's do it. Adrian Hauser back with the Brewers. Colin Ray, option to AAA Nashville to make room. Um, so we salute Colin Ray and thank him for his service yet again. Uh, Hauser gets into con- some trouble in the first. Uh, Jesus Sanchez sack fly scores Luis Arias to make it one nothing. Uh, Yuri Perez on the mound for the Marlins, a guy with great stuff. Um, the command. Seemed to waver at times in this game, even though he didn't walk anybody. Um, up to 100 with that fastball. Did he ever get the 101, 102? I, I don't know. I was in and out of this one, but he was just throwing gas early in this game. I don't think so. I mean, he was actually taking quite a bit off it as the game went on. Not to, not to bring hmm. us back here, but Colin Ray being optioned. Like, that's what I'm talking about. Keep Colin Ray around. Get chafing out of here. Like... Have Colin Ray that a Colin Ray start or an Adrian Hauser start is, you know, those two guys can just piggyback and maybe give you give you nine innings and save the bullpen. And they could possibly do that. I, I Anyway, sorry, just Sandra Chafin, just back in my brain there. Uh, Colin Ray probably deserves at this point to be around. And I, I mean that in terms of his ability, but also kind of what he's done for the Brewers all season. 
I don't think it would be, you know, the worst thing for the Brewers or all that unfair to him for him to be on the roster for the business end of the season and into the playoffs because he's done a lot of good for them. He's he's really fought through a lot of tough spells injury wise. Uh, and to me, he is an example of someone who like goes out there and he doesn't let you down. Generally, he goes out and does his job, which is kind of the opposite of what they've been getting with Chafin. So I know that's not a like for like, but he's kind of a four and two thirds guy. Hauser's kind of a four and two thirds guy. Hey, look, what does that make up to? That even gets you one extra out. So well, I I don't know why something like that wouldn't have been considered as a route to keep him around. But maybe maybe he resurfaces and it's just, you know, let's keep the arms fresh at the moment. And by the time he'd be ready to pitch meaningful innings again, we see him back. I wouldn't hold my bread on that, but just, yeah, I, I just did. That's the kind of thing that, again, when it gets to chafe and you're like... Is this really, is this smart? Is this all that useful? There are better options. There are better ways you can kind of game this out if you're the Brewers. Even Miley sometimes is a four and two thirds, yep. five innings pitch guy. So if you've got a, if you got two Bryce Wilson types, exactly. that can give you long relief. I mean, you're preaching to the choir on Chafin, but I won't, I won't slander the man anymore. Um, uh, I'm not slandering. Yeah. Go out there and give us scoreless innings like in any of any kind of consequence. And I'll thought... I'll praise him like I did a couple of weeks ago when he did it before he just blew up again. It's like if you if you can go and do that, that's fine. It's like these games are too important. It's like it's not joke time now. There's no upside. He's not a prospect. Like if you're just going out there and dying on your shield, let's just toss him aside and move on. Like there's no there is no long term. Oh well, you know we're gonna persevere because of because of what he he looks pretty cooked. Uh, I don't doubt that he will probably be a good reliever in the big leagues next season. Maybe Andrew, maybe even with the Brewers. Who knows? I hope not. But someone is going to. This is we said it. The Brewers obviously looked at him and went, yeah, he could be fixed. It's not an in season fix. And uh, it's just, it's not going to work itself out now. And the more you just put him out there and you give any time, any opportunity, it's like even the game. So you might be like, oh, we're losing or this game is lost. It could be one where you go out there and he gives up three runs and then you score five in the next one. And you're like, oh, wouldn't it be great if we didn't just give up those three runs and punting on this game? Like the Brewers don't have other pitchers like this in the mix right now. Everyone else, you're like, Okay, if they go out and they have a bad outing, that's tough. They had a bad outing, but we're not just like, oh, well, this is a instantly, you know, possibility for disaster. So let's eliminate that guy too. Is it possible he's a sleeper agent? Didn't he break out as a cub? This is a joke. It's, it's that is... would be that would be complicated too because he's just come from the snakes and the snakes have been tanking the cubs. So. You know, as much as I'd love to go with that, that joke. I mean, there's too many layers to he may, unless he's like a triple agent, you know, unless he's he's playing all sides of this race. A lot to unpack there. Uh, in the fourth, Rowdy Telez sacrifice fly to center field, scoring William Contreras. I made it one to one. Adrian Hauser exits this game after five. Uh, after the the tying sack fly in the top of the fifth, an inning that the 
Brewers probably should not have been as in as much trouble as they should have been in. Should have got out of it with the uh, a double play uh, on that comeback or back to Hauser. It was, wasn't it? Um, or was that a well, different play? No, there was two. So there was kind of a swinging bunt that Hauser went to get. And as Rock noted, there was two instances in the inning where Hauser had to go and collect the ball. And he had no interest in using the glove hand. So he was looked the bare hand and he kind of dropped it. Um, and so that allowed the, the runner to reach. But it was really, there was a ball hit directly to Monasterio. I can't remember who was on, who it was that was on. It was whoever had the swinging bunt uh, was on first. They had just gone to steal and Monasterio kind of stepped with that. I just feel unnecessary. He stepped off the third base and a ball was drilled at third where if he's standing where he is standing 90% of the time there, he's going to catch it. And they're going to get a double play and be out of there. Um, so that was unfortunate. But yeah, it kind of came about by a combination of. I don't even I don't know where errors charged. No, um, I don't, don't think so. so no. And I, I don't think either were necessarily errors, but they're plays that I think both uh, Hauser and Monasterio would have liked to have back and would feel like that most times they should not make and they should have been out of there earlier. As it turned out, though, that run did not cost the Brewers. Correct. Yeah, thank you for that context or context there, Adam. I was watching this while on a Zoom meeting on a laptop off in the corner. So thank you for adding that. But Jacob Stallings single makes it 2-1 in that fifth inning. Hauser goes five innings pitch, five hits, two runs, both earned, no walks, five strikeouts. In the fifth, the Brewers would answer back immediately with Andrew Monasterio on base. Uh, Tyrone Taylor doubles to make it 2-2, ties the game up. Sal Felix single uh, makes it 3-2 to score Tyrone Taylor. And then again in the seventh, Tyrone Taylor adds some insurance. A double scores Bryce Terang. Elvis Peguero, uh, after getting some much-needed rest, throws a scoreless inning with two strikeouts. Admiral Rebe as well with just a walk, no hits, uh, no runs. Uh, throws a scoreless inning of his own. You all can, I add, can I add a comment on, on Abner? Just something which I do think is worth noting because I think when he first came out, we were being wowed by just his stuff and his ability to uh, to strike guys out. We've seen a little <laughs> bit less of that lately, but he looks like a really good ground ball pitcher too. Um, a lot of really comfortable like ground ball outs where. I'm just the more I see him, the more impressed I am because I kind of like, like this felt like a day where he didn't have his stuff at all. But he will find when he finds the zone, he's find it with a really good sinker. He's forcing a ground ball and he's getting outs. Like he just kind of looks like he's got all the tools and he knows, okay, very quickly now, even compared to when we first saw him come up and maybe when there was trouble, he's adjusting. He's like, okay, this is how I have to pitch today. This is what's working. So I just think that's kind of worth shouting out because even I guess people who aren't as locked in as to, on the Brewers or they're catching games here or there or they're feasting on Pitching Ninja um, compilations of Abner and just nasty strikeouts. He's looking like a pretty solid ground ball pitcher when he needs to be too. And that's, you know, that's something that's pretty exciting because he just seems to really have all of the tools and he is just finding ways to get guys out. And that's really what you want from your relievers. Um, if he's just someone who throws absolute gas and there's going to be some wicked movement on it, that's great. 
but the days when it's more of a struggle, then that can blow up. If he can show some more of what he did today, which is all it takes is one pitch, and it doesn't have to miss a bat, and he can get the out, that's the real game changer, I think, between him being someone who you say, oh, his stuff is incredible, versus, oh, he's one of the best relievers in baseball. So uh, I think that's quite exciting to see just a variety of ways that as we continue to see more and more of Abner Uribe, that from game to game, from day to day, depending on how he feels, how his stuff is at, how he's getting outs. Yeah, getting outs when you don't have your best command, I think is important. Like when you're not, and when you're not missing bats, if you can blend the two, um, then that's what makes you a reliever that can sustain a one four four ERA across a multitude of innings and I guess that's the an interesting evolution in Abner's game. Yoel Piamps throws a scoreless inning, just allows a hit, gets a strikeout. And then Devin Williams uh closes out the game. Another save for him. One inning pitched. Uh no damage. Very quick. Eleven pitches, eight strikes. And uh Brewers win four two and they take three out of four in the series to take that uh driver's seat lead in the National League Central. Should we look at the uh, Master Brewer leaderboard, Adam? Anything else to add? Let's look at the Master Brewer leaderboard. Through 146 games, uh, Brandon Woodruff takes three for this performance. Tyrone Taylor takes two big hits throughout the series and just a lot of hits. And uh, like we said offline, just a guy that we doubted preseason, midseason, as he was dealing with his elbow injury, and he's come through lately and has performed with regularity and a guy that is making a big impact on this team. Freddie Peralta gets a single beer. Devin Williams, Abner Uribe, Hobie Milner, William Contreras, Josh Donaldson, Andre Monasterio, Willie Adamas, Sal Freelick, Carlos Santana, and Mark Canna. Leaderboard, Devin Williams with 32, William Contreras with 31, Christian Yelich with 26, Yoel Piamps and Corbin Burns with 24, Hobie Milner, Willie Adamas with 22. That's the 20 and above club. Uh, you can see the rest of the leaderboard. I do have he one question done. on that if you have filled it out. I don't want to put Go you ahead. on the spot. How many is Freddie or how many has, sorry, Woody got? Uh, Woody is now up to 11. Uh, Freddie Peralta's got 16. Woody has 11 beers in nine games. Yep. Is that any good? <laughs> I, like, I think good. it's worth, worth noting just because uh, if not for that injury, he might be a kind of runaway leader here. So it's oh, it's yeah. a credit to credit to what the Brewers have done throughout the season. Also, just to note, while I'm looking at stats here, um, where do you think Colin Ray ranks among all Brewers pitchers for innings pitched this year? Innings pitched for Colin Ray. I will go with fourth. He's third, only behind Corbin wow. and Freddie Peralta. That makes like, sense. I feel like that guy should be around for the playoffs. Uh, you mean you don't want left-handers that can't stop giving up extra base hits at them? Uh, I do, I sure don't, Andrew. But I also like, I like Cal Ray has a four eighty nine ERA. Like we know what he is, and right, yeah, that that kind of guy has less utility in a playoff setting too. But I also do think there's like have a soul, particularly when your alternatives are not great, and I I do think. He's more useful, and he's he has earned it. He's played a big, big part in getting his team to this point. 
But anyway, that's a conversation for another day. And who knows? Maybe Andrew Chafin won't be around by the next podcast. Probably not. But we'll see. Adam's just trying to make sure, and shout out Jordan Tresky, that there's no Colin erasure going on here when we talk wow. about the 2023 Brewers. Uh, hope I did you proud, Mr. Tresky. Uh, do you want to look ahead to the, the weekend? I sure do. All right. Your Milwaukee Brewers will welcome the Washington Nationals to town. Uh, Three-game series will start today, tomorrow, whenever you're listening to this. Uh, 7-10 Central start and waiting for the screen to load. Great podcasting. This is not talk radio, Andrew. Um, Wade Miley will take the mound against Jake Irvin. One of the bright spots for the Nationals this season. Only a 4.20 ERA, but uh, my Nationals friends tell me it's been pretty good. So there you go. Uh, Saturday, September 16th, 610 Central Start. Corbin Burns will take the mound against Trevor Williams, who is a giant crybaby. Uh, and so hopefully the Brewers light him up. Um, Sunday, September 17th, Brandon Woodruff on the mound against Patrick Corbin, 110 Central Start. Uh, that's the baseball they'll play this weekend. If these games were uh, played on paper, won on paper, I'd be feeling very, very good about those pitching matchups, about everything else matchup-wise between these teams. So let's hope the Brewers actually do, in fact, deliver on that. Um, I think that they've got enough of a lead and they're in a commanding enough position, though, that, I mean, yeah, go and sweep and you're nearly there, but two of three would be good work and have you... Again, closing in. Um, just don't do anything. Don't do anything dumb, Bruce. That's really. I guess the message for the rest of the season is don't do anything dumb, and everything will be fine. As we mentioned up top, the Cubs are headed to Arizona. Snake Timber, the showdown. Let's let's hope that the snakes do us a favor again. Let's let's hope they del- deliver the goods. Um, maybe tougher. I'm looking at the pitching matchups for this series. Maybe tougher this time than the last time. Um, Zach Gallon is not uh, one of the pitchers for the Diamondbacks. I would like that. And the Cubs have Justin Steele and Kyle Hendricks up to start off too. So we'll we'll see how that plays out. But I believe in September. Yeah, I mean, we need Snake Timber to to keep rolling, help us clinch the NL Central, and then probably going to play one of these two teams in a wild card series. One of the Nats or the Snakes, the way it's shaping up. Uh, maybe the Marlins, maybe the Reds or the Giants figure something out, but I'm did guessing you say it's going to be one of those two. Did you say the Nats? Did I? What? You said, I said the Nats snakes. or the Snakes. Oh, uh, sorry, the Cubs or the Snakes. Okay, that makes a whole lot more sense. Three-letter so. words, or three-letter words really distracted me. Or no, there's, there's four in the four letters in those. Anyway. Uh, do, uh, do you have a preference on that right now? If if that was the way... Yeah, no, yeah. Oh, that's tough. I think I prefer the Cubs. I mean, I've seen them 
I've seen what <laughs> I saw the snakes do damage in person, so that's lingering in my mind. Yeah, I, I also I do think like the Zach Allen of it all. I I think the top end of pitching for the Diamondbacks is better. I don't know. Steals concerning as well. I don't want to. I shouldn't be. I'm nervous at saying things like this in case it goes. Steals like, got a two four nine ERA this year. He does, but he still it still kind of feels. I don't know. It feels a little fake. Feels that's like he could I've, be got to. That's what I've thought the whole season, and then he just keeps doing this to me. It's both of them. Both of them scare me. I. Oof, I kind of okay. Let's. I don't know. Let's let's do what would be the most entertaining and like. I I was gonna say create the best environment, but I'm worried about Cubs fans invading. That series would be electric. I think Cubs fans would have a tougher time invading for that in a playoff setting. I'm not saying they won't get there. I've seen I've seen Bulls books even, uh, but the level of noise that you're going to get out of the home fans it's a different it's a different deal. I yeah, I I think I think I in baseball terms I think I prefer the Cubs right now. We'll see. There's still time to go. Like I mean, what's the deal if, with if one of those that, two comes in? That is a factor. Yeah, that's a good question keep... too. Yeah, I don't know. Um... Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, they're both they're both talented but flawed teams that we've seen look really good and look really bad. So I think the Brewers should go in any series expecting to win against either one of them. But mm-hmm. um, especially if they're able to line up the pitching. Uh, the Snakes are now down 8-1 in the eighth against the Mets. So they're coming into that Cub series fired Needing. up. Needing wins. Tommy Pham has rolled up a newspaper and is going around slapping his teammates across the face, I assume. Listen, if there's a time you want Tommy Tommy Fancy playing the Cubs, it's heading into the weekend. It's, you know, it's fancy football peak brain time. Um, he's gonna be fired up. Will he be a little distracted on Sunday? Possibly. But uh maybe he'll be fired Does up. He maybe have... he'll get Maybe you can get him good news, like uh, when he's at maybe to having a bat. It can be like, oh, I don't know, I don't know who his QB is, but like, yeah, you know, he's got a touchdown there, Tommy, and he just crushes a homer in celebration. It's like maybe he's got Jalen Hurts, and tonight Jalen Hurts is just going to run all over the Vikings. He's going to throw a couple of checkdown uh, touchdown he's passes. Fired up tomorrow, yeah, yeah, like it could happen. It's not outside of the realm of possibility. Let's hope so. All right. For uh for more on how Tommy Fan does in his fancy football league and against the Chicago Cubs, <laughs> and for all things Milwaukee Brewers, make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast, cruising for a bruising, that way you won't miss an episode. Shout out to the Shout Nationals out. who I, I have just sent to the the postseason. Yeah. Uh I know you do have Nationals friends as you as you dropped in there. And, I like know, them more than I like my good Braves friends. Friend, so yeah. There you go. So you're trying to send them maybe in the Braves' place to the postseason. I mean, even from a Brewer's perspective, I would just appreciate the Nats taking the Braves' place. We don't live in that world, though. Um, you should also check out the rest of the GSPN shows. Eurostep Podcast Network, the main feed, home to all things Milwaukee books. Up there today, yesterday, as you listen to this, uh, an interview that Ty Winnish and Ronald Cotty did with Milwaukee Books' own Ty Ty Washington. Can you know? Can you want more tie than that? Can you have more tie than that? 
tie and tie 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 one could say uh you need to you need to go and give that a listen Eurostep podcast network should also check out talking to tundra for all things green bay packers one and oh green bay packers um i believe looking to make it two road wins to start the season for the first time in their history and they've only twice started the first two weeks of the season on the road and they have never won both of those games so that's the carrot to be dangled for this weekend i don't even know if those guys have that stat andrew uh maybe we should maybe we should do some todd episodes jordan and umak though much much better at uh, all things green Bay packers than us and they are heels so go check that out uh, make time for this for all things movies pop culture everything else Andrew and I do that probably a week off this week um, but we'll be back with a vengeance next week to talk about something undecided as of now but please do subscribe and listen to more from Andrew and I there and until the next time thanks again to all of you for listening thank you Andrew thanks Adam <laughs>